Hello and welcome to the NBA Next Podcast presented by Trek. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we had another veteran extension because he became extension eligible and they offered him and he has signed it. Anthony Davis with the Lakers, three years, $177 million based off of the $156.2 million cap that we are projecting right now. Thoughts on this extension? Yeah, I, not a surprise. I think we knew this was probably coming at some point here in the the you know coming weeks, and and it got done. You know, I think a little, uh, maybe a little earlier than than some thought. There, there, but when it's this simple, there's not a lot to negotiate, so you just kind of get it done. So the terms of the extension, um, as we know them, he well, the mechanics I think are a little interesting here because he had an early termination option for the 24-25 season. So let's talk about what happens with that. So this year, nothing changes, $40.6 million. Uh, the next season was when he had that early termination option. For layman's terms, functions very similarly or the, almost exactly the same as a player option does. The difference is with a player option, you choose to um, opt into your contract. With an early termination option, you're choosing to opt out of your contract. And there are other... Uh, very specific things on an early termination option versus a player option that don't really apply here, so we don't have to spend time on them. But what he did was he voided his ability to opt out, so essentially picked up his option for next year at $43.2 million. Then he adds three new years on, onto his contract. And now, much like we talked about with Jalen Brown, if we go off of the NBA's projected cap increases, um, that's going to look like three years, $177 million. So it brings him up to the 35% max at $54.7 million in 25-26. It carries out at $59 million, then $63.4 million. Yes, that could come in higher. Bobby Marks did a really good job of laying out, you know, this is what it would be if the cap goes up 10% and then goes up 10% again. But for now, what we'll represent and talk about is what is actually projected to be. So three years, $177 million. And there's been reporting in the last couple of days that the final season on that extension is a player option uh, for Davis. So he can get back into free agency in 2027 uh, when he will be, uh, let's see, 34 years old. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that, that goes at that point for Davis. So does this mean the Lakers are content with Anthony Davis, even if LeBron James ends his career after that player option, or is this just lock him up long-term and it might be an asset moving into the future? If James does go somewhere else, they have a piece to potentially bring something back. How, How are you reading this? Yeah, I think it's kind of both um, for the Lakers. I think what this does is this gives them control and options now moving forward. So there was a thought that they may have let it go into next year. And if LeBron James opted out and then joined Bronny's team, then hopefully Bronny gets back on the court and can play after uh, the scary you know heart attack um, that he had. And we'll, we'll see you know, what happens with all that over the next uh, year plus here. But that was one of the thoughts was, right, LeBron would would opt out and then be able to to would go move on to play with, with Bronny or maybe he would retire, maybe just opts in. Who knows? Um, and the thought was, well, Davis would may follow suit with that. So now what the Lakers have done is they've basically said, hey, we're going to lock up Anthony Davis and we'll have him under contract. And then if we want, we can pitch if LeBron moves on, retires, whatever it is, you know, sometime in the next couple of years, um, we can basically say, hey, in 20, 2025, uh, that summer, We've got Anthony Davis, we've got Rui Hachimura on the final year of his deal, we got Austin Rivers, and we got Gabe Vincent, and not much else in salary Austin on our Reeves. books. Austin yeah, Reeves. Austin Reeves. Who did I say? Rivers. It, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if I had a dollar for every time we did that, I could probably retire. Um, or every time I did that, I should say. Um, so yeah, Austin Reeves. Um, so then what you're looking at then is you pitch, hey, come join a team that's you know, headlined by Anthony Davis. Probably still going to be really good two years from now. Um, or what they could do is, whether it's two years from now, three years, whenever, they could look at it and say, 
all right, we want to really kind of reset this thing a little bit and move in a different direction. And then you could look to trade Anthony Davis at that point. I think he'd still be a very tradable player. The only way this contract really turns sour for the Lakers, if all of a sudden Anthony Davis can only play in you know 25 games a year, then you know things are going to really fall apart for the Lakers. But as long as, even if he's a... 55 60 game player people are going to be like that's fine as long as you know, he's healthy at the end of the year which he was this past year and helped get them get to the west finals people are still going to look at it as a you know, really good contract because anthony davis is still an all-star all-nba level guy when he plays it's just the lack of games played that keeps him from necessarily reaching those heights what about the rest of the NBA? I mean, is this a really good sign that another big man is getting paid? You got Jokic that got paid. You have Embiid that got paid. Giannis, who's a big man, but, you know, more of a power forward-ish kind of player. Um, so is this good that we're seeing the big men getting paid, or is this just the rich getting richer and you know, it, it's not really going to affect the overall center position as a whole of the NBA. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's any major impact on this one to you know the league as a whole. I think as we look at it with Anthony Davis in this extension and the ones you mentioned, even if we go back a couple of years, Rudy Gobert getting his, you know, essentially a max extension. It was Yeah, and you know, Towns, I forgot to mention Towns. Yeah, Towns, yep, his kicks in in a couple of seasons. So yeah, it's um I, I think what we what we've seen with the center position is it's um the old stars and scrubs approach in fantasy sports of uh all right I'm gonna spend all my money on a couple guys and then everybody else is you know one dollar guys in our auction draft and what we're seeing in the NBA is it's starting to turn in the center position it is all right we'll pay the best ones like they'll all get max deals or very close to max deals and then everybody else you're probably going to be down closer to the minimum and that's kind of where it'll be they, they've they, it's there's been a lot of talk in the last week two weeks about the you know the nba's middle class has been eliminated and you know there's nobody there and um again bobby marks did some work to show that's not exactly true it's still kind of around um but i think what you are seeing is at certain positions that is true and i think center is one of those spots where it's you know very rarely you get in a team say yeah, all right let's lock this guy up to you know uh, a 10 15 million dollar contract or let's spend the mle on this guy that has to be more of a targeted type signing otherwise everybody else is getting a near max type of contract you had brooke, brooke lopez get less than the max and you know but still got a healthy payday but that's a different situation at his age and with the box where they're at so i don't i don't know that the davis one changes anything necessarily but it is you know, further proof that, you know, no, this center position is not completely dead. If you can really play, like there's still an opportunity for you to get paid. All right. This will be fascinating to see what the uh, Lakers, now that they've got, you know, we, we went from almost having a clean slate <laughs> in, in quotes to no longer having even close to that clean slate. And Anthony Davis got paid and, you know, I, there's always a next man up as we talked about previously with Jalen Brown last week. And, you know, there's always going to be a next man up after Anthony Davis here. So it'll be interesting yep. to see what player gets an extension next. Um, with that being said, we're going to recap two more divisions today. We're going to look at the central division, which we've already posted last week. And then the Southwest, which you're going to post uh, either today or tomorrow. Uh, so I know that's coming. So we're going to start with the central here. Uh, similar format, biggest move that the team did and what is left for them to do. And we're going to start off with Chicago here. So what was the biggest move Chicago did this offseason? Yeah, I think Chicago's big thing that they did, and you know, aside from antagonize their fan base by just running it back, um, but it was part of that was extending Nikola Vucevic and you know getting him uh, three years, sixty million, fully guaranteed, standard type of contract, eighteen point five, twenty, and then twenty one point five. Um, that's you know where, where he he is going to fall at. So that's that's the big one um, for for them. They they ended up getting him you know extended. They did not trade DeMar DeRozan, did not trade Zach Levine. Uh, they also re-signed Kobe White. They re-signed Ayo Desunmu. Uh, they added Torrey Craig and Javon Carter on what I think were two really uh, good 
uh, value contract. I thought they they did you know quite well to get those guys. So so yeah. So we're just kind of sitting in the spot here now with the Bulls where. Craig and Carter are good additions, but they're not going to like push the Bulls to you know super new heights, and they're just kind of the same team as as they were a year ago. They'll be in the mix for for the playoffs again, probably through the play in tournament uh, towards the middle of the Eastern Conference, and that's probably more of the same. So what's left for them to do? Uh, what's left for them? I think you know let's see what happens with Patrick Williams and his contract extension. Um, you know, they're they going to get uh, his rookie scale deal done. He's uh, been a good player for them. He, you know, first year, uh, you know, like every rookie that comes in or most rookies, I should say, uh, had some struggles. Then his second year, he was uh, better, um, but very limited with injuries. And then his third year uh, really played well, played in, I believe every game, if I remember correctly and played, played really well. So I think we're in a spot now where it is. All right. Yeah. Let's get, um, you know, let's get Patrick Williams. Let's see what happens um, with, with that, with that contract extension. But other than that, you know, for this, this upcoming season, they don't have a lot left to do. They, they have Alonzo ball, a uh, disabled player exception. So that's, you know, that's fine um, to use if they want, but who knows if they're going to do that. We, we, we don't really know. And then they have, um, uh, Gosh, what am I thinking of? Um, their roster spots that they don't really have. So, so that's the the other piece there. So, so we'll see what happens with them. But it's you know again, you know, more of the same in, in uh, Chicago. Well, the disabled player exception remind me. Does that count as part of the salary exceptions where those can be? Uh, it can be used with trades now. Yeah, but it, it's very very restrictive. Um, you can acquire why I use the term acquire a player is because you can sign trade for or claim off waivers any player who's in an ending contract and it has to be a true ending contract so that means they, they can only have just this year they can't have this year in an option uh, no kind of option it can't be this year the non-guaranteed it has to be a truly a one-year ending contract so it's very restrictive because the idea is behind the disabled player exception is you lost the player for this season we're going to give the you the ability to some extent replace that player. So that's where where the Bulls are at. They lost uh, Lonzo Ball, so so they've been given this you know uh, disabled player exception of you know ten plus million um, here, uh, which is you know it's it's half of his salary uh, for this season. It's it's capped out at the non taxpayer MLE or half of the player's salary, so ten point two million. So the Bulls could go get somebody, but my guess is they're going to sit on that for a while. Now, the good thing is that doesn't expire until the middle of March, uh, March 10th. So so you've got quite a while that you can use this for. So they'll see what their roster looks like. They'll, they'll even be able to see what happens at the trade deadline. Do we come out with a roster spot and a need and the ability to go get somebody? And then they can go do that. So that's that's where, where they're going to be sitting at. But right now, they're just barely under the luxury tax. This is a franchise that historically has not liked to go into the tax um they they don't have the roster spot so right now that's probably going to sit unused but but we'll see what happens you know here over the next several months cleveland cavaliers biggest move of the summer the biggest move for the Cavs um was adding shooting uh they and they did that with three players max Struess, george niang and ty jerome um I, I, as I wrote, it was hard to narrow this down because they think all three of those guys are really going to help the Cavs. They just had to get get more shooting onto this roster um, any way they could. They, they, you know, Darius Garland can shoot, Donovan Mitchell can shoot, but the rest of the roster was a little shaky. Uh, Jared Allen's range is, you know, it's measured in inches versus feet. And then Evan Mobley, just the, the jump shot hasn't developed. And that's, that's fine. It, it'll come with time. Then everybody else is, you know, shaky, inconsistent, injury issues, whatever it may be. <clears throat> so adding Struess, Niang, and Jerome, absolutely huge uh, for the Cavs. You know, I'd probably give it to Struess because I think he's likely to start. I think he's probably going to play play the most uh, of those guys. So if I had to pick any one single move, 
it was bringing him in. But George Niang is going to be a big part of that team uh, through the um, front court rotation. I think he's really going to be kind of their third big. That's where having Mobley's ability to slide over and play the five is big because you can then play any combination of Allen, Mobley, and Niang without any worry. Dean Wade will be back in that mix as well. And then Jerome's going to kind of jump into the to the backup mix. He's played both on and off ball, and he's an important addition now for the Cavs because there's some uncertainty with Ricky Rubio uh, stepping away right now. He's not going to play in the World Cup for Spain. Um, he, he's sitting out. We don't know what that means for his NBA uh, season and the like. So, so we'll see, you know, where that goes. But, but for now, you know, this is a, you know, a, a team that, you know, getting that shooting and, you know, huge for them. Yeah, this roster, I, I like this roster. It's definitely deep or one of the deepest in the league right now, in my opinion. Um, and, and like I said, Evan Mobley, sophomore slump. I mean, everyone had super extreme high expectations going into year two. I think year three might be the year where he does take that next jump. So I, I like this this deep roster. So what is left for them to do then? Yeah, they could really use a couple veterans, and they have two open roster spots, so it's filling those out. Uh, with the Rubio question, probably get another point guard in there. Jerome, again, he's he's much more of a combo guard. He is a true point guard. Yes, Donovan Mitchell can slide over and play play the one, but he's uh, predominantly played as a two guard in his career. So, you know, you you, you want to get one more guy in there just because. And it's it's never about the you know well we got to replace Rubio. It's always about well what if one of the other guys also goes down for a week or two with a sprained ankle or something. You know what happens then? So I think um, you know getting a guy like. Um, or a veteran guy, rather, in the mix would be good. They could also use one more veteran um, center. Robin Lopez left to go back to the Milwaukee and uh, play play with his brother again. And Damian Jones was nice, but he's been extremely inconsistent. Um, Dean Wade, you know, healthy again is going to help them, but he is not a he's not really a five. So I think just getting one more guy, if we think back to two seasons ago, they were making that push for the play-in tournament and Jared Allen got hurt and it really kind of tanked their season uh, fell apart without him. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what direction they want to go there. But I think, you know, if I was looking at, all right, how am I going to fill these last two roster spots? I'd be looking at, all right, what veteran center can I bring in here that can help um, play and what veteran point guard? And then as I look at it, then you get into a spot where it is, all right, you know, now what we can do is, all right, everybody's healthy, everybody's back. All right, you're our third guy, and you're probably not going to play a lot, but we need you in that stay-ready role. So I think those are, you know, the, the big needs for Cleveland to move forward. And then Donovan Mitchell's going to be extension eligible. Um, we'll see what that looks like with him. I don't think he he will do an extension yet. I think that probably drags out one more year uh, for him um, as he gets into the final year of his contract, and then we'll see what it looks like. But, you know, those things, they're, you know, they, they never uh, fail to surprise us, right, when, when they come uh, with, with one, you know, kind of out of nowhere. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that too. Detroit Pistons, biggest move of the offseason for them. Yeah, I think for the Pistons, their biggest move was that they added some veteran guys and Joe Harris and Monte Morris. Those guys are going to help uh, quite, quite a bit. Um, Harris brings some more shooting to the roster. That, that's something this team really needed to, to add. Um, you know, the, the, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is a really good shooter. Alec Burks is a pretty good shooter. Everybody else pretty shaky or developing. So adding Harris gives them one more shooter. And then Monte Morris is just another guy that you can throw into the mix and really run the team. I, you know, there, there's versions of this team where Cade Cunningham, who reportedly looks great as part of the USA Select team. It looks like he's really ready to take a big leap here in year three um, after missing most of year two. If he returns and can run the point, then Morris comes in and he's, you know, 20, 25 minute a night backup guy. If uh, Cunningham is, if the decisions are, you know, we really need him to be a little more off ball and he's not quite ready for that, you know, full on ball role, then you could even start a guy like Morris. So, so those are also big. And then obviously um, hanging on to Bogdanovich and Burks, they didn't trade either guy at the trade deadline. They kept them. Those were important. This team's going to try to be good, right? They're, they're not trying to um, be bad again. And they're not, you know, just going in, hey, we're just going to play all of our kids. They, they, they have these veteran guys there for a reason. And 
Now to add into that, Monty Williams comes in, uh, richest coaching deal in NBA history as of when it was signed, uh, comes in and he's, you know, they, they went, you know, really, uh, you know, paid him and gave him the length of contract they did because he was their guy. He's the guy they targeted from day one to say, this is a guy we need to really be running things. And they're in a spot, you know, with him where now he comes in and he's going to you know, really kind of, you know, help lift this team and push them forward. I, I'm not going to say they're going to be a good team yet, but, you know, there, there's a world where they're in the fight for the play in tournament. If they're still playing meaningful games around the trade deadline or even beyond, it was a successful season for the Pistons, no matter how it ends. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the Bogdanovich, they were hard and fast on. They wanted a lot for him back at the yep. trade deadline, so they they really wanted to retain him and keep him. It's a real nice mix of, like you said, young players and brought in the veterans to help really project that team higher into the standings. We'll see if it works. Uh, so, what is left for them to do? Yeah, they don't really have any roster work to do. They have a standard spot and a two-way spot, but those are very much, you know, the last kind of guys on the roster for for them. Uh, they're twenty nine point six million under the luxury tax. They're they've got the full room exception available, so they they've still got the ability to do some stuff if they need to. But for now, I think they're looking at it as coming in and saying. All right, hey, we actually have real NBA players at every position. And for Monty Williams, he doesn't have to give anybody minutes, right? It's not one of these situations anymore where it's, all right, let's just give minutes to player X or player Y. It's going to be, let's 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 go. Let's really get these guys uh, moving in a different kind of direction. And you know, we're, we're, we're ready to you know, start winning here, and you're going to have to earn your minutes. And that's going to be fun to monitor with this team because this team's got a lot of guys who can play. I, I refer to it often in the big man group because you've got uh, you've got Isaiah Stewart, uh, Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, Jalen Duran. You're going to throw those guys into the steel cage and just kind of, yeah, all right, let's see who emerges out of this you know, four-way battle um, here. But it's similar at other positions too. They've got wing depth now. They've got ball handlers. So this is a fun group to to really you know, watch and see how they grow. Like It's hard to see how um, how a Sar Thompson breaks in as a rookie into the rotation right now. It, it'll happen because they'll have an injury or something and they'll make sure he gets minutes. But for right now, you know, he's probably on the outside looking out, uh, you know, for, for, for a little bit. So they're looking in, I guess I meant to say um, there. So we'll, we'll see what you know happens with that, but it's going to be fun to watch this team come together. Indiana Pacers biggest move of the summer. Yeah, this one's easy. It was extending Tyrese Halliburton, getting him locked in. Uh, that's that's huge. You know, small market team gets the guy on the uh, full designated rookie extension. He's got the the uh, you know, language where he can bump a tier and all those things. He's an all star. He's their franchise player. They they locked him in. Now that's huge. Now that overshadows a little bit some other good moves. Getting Bruce Brown, uh, great great signing. Did they overpay? Yeah, they did. You know, and I think they would openly admit that. We have to overpay a little bit if you're a Pacers team that's kind of sitting in the middle of the conference and not really good yet, but you know, you're trying to get there. So so you overpay a little bit and you have a team option on the second year. So if it's like, man, this did not work out, you get out of it easy and you move on. And then getting Obi Toppin was was big. They needed to add another uh, bigger forward. They they most spent most of last year playing uh lineups that kind of looked like almost like mid-major college lineups with one big man and a bunch of wings around them. And it worked, you know, as long as Halliburton was healthy and they were uh, playing fairly well, but getting one more big guy with, with Toppin in the mix is huge. And, uh, you know, that also had the added benefit of, you know, Tyrese Halliburton's extremely excited to play with him. And I think Toppin, you know, kind of with the Pacers, the way they play, where they, they play so fast, um, when when they're fully healthy, I think Toppin's going to fit in really well there. I, I think we're looking at a breakout season coming for him. So what's left for the the Pacers to do here? Yeah, roster wise, they're done. They they don't have any open uh, spots going into the regular season. So so you feel pretty good. So we'll see if they extend Obi Toppin or not. You'd be you'd be extending him based on projecting what he could be versus what he's been. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes that works out. So we'll see. And then I think in season throughout the course of the year and probably up to the trade deadline, if this team is what they think they're going to be, which is a team that's competing for a playoff spot, 
they're still pretty heavy with guards and wings um right now they, they've got to figure something out there um you know it's just they, there's not enough minutes for all the guys who you know really kind of need to play and they're a little light on depth in the front court so so we might see a little bit of roster balancing there uh with them and then buddy healed is extension eligible too we'll see you know that one might be one that tells us a little bit if, if there's no extension done, then that could be one where we see him uh, move on, you know, in the season, or maybe they move on from at the trade deadline to rebalance. But for right now, he's a big part of the team, and they're, they're just going to kind of run, run it back with, with what they've got. With the Obi Toppin, you mentioned the extension eligible. Because he's a rookie scale and he was traded, are there any – restrictions as far as uh when he can sign an extension yeah it's a great question nope because he's he would be signing a rookie scale extension he is eligible uh he's actually eligible he will not get this to be very clear but he would be eligible for the designated rookie extension uh you can give that to players uh that you you um you draft yourself or you acquire while they're on their rookie contract. Um, so he would be eligible for that, but um, he's not clearly going to get that, but no, no restrictions. Pacers could extend him today if they wanted to. Okay. Milwaukee bucks, biggest move of the off season for them. Yeah, it was Chris Middleton getting him back um, on what's a pretty good deal. $95 million guaranteed over three seasons for Middleton. Now, that's huge. There were all these rumors that, you know, the Houston Rockets, the Orlando Magic, the San Antonio Spurs, one of the cap space teams was going to give Middleton, you know, um, you know, as I wrote, the proverbial bag. They, they were going to give him the bag of cash and say, you know, let's go. But, you know, we're, we're in a spot where he's happy in Milwaukee. He's needed in Milwaukee. So now, you know, he's, he's back uh, with Giannis and Drew Holiday, and off we go. So they, they, they would have no way to replace him if he left. So getting him back in the fold was absolutely huge. Right behind that, though, Brooke Lopez, um, two years, $48 million uh, you know, over the next two seasons. That That's big. He's been you know, great for them. Def, you know, annual kind of contender for defensive player of the year. Um, he's, he's a perfect fit on offense around those guys, so that was big. And then the last you know, move and note that I thought was, was important was getting Malik Beasley um, to come in on a minimum deal. Yeah, that's a good kind of prove it deal for for him. And given uh, the fact that Middleton tends to miss some games uh, each season, getting Beasley in there was really big for for the Bucks. With the stocked roster already, what is left for them to do then? Yeah, what what's what is Adrian Griffin going to be as the first time head coach? Right, that, that's that's the big question. Is we got to figure that out. They, they're they're healthy right now uh, going into the season, so they're they're basically. You know, this is what the Bucks are going to be. So now it's all about you know what 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 is Griffin going to do? Well, we'll get a sense some um, with that. Um, I did write if there's anything missing from this team, they don't really have a proven backup point guard behind Drew Holiday. Now it's not the end of the world because Middleton and Giannis can both run the offense, and you can run the offense through those guys. But with Javon Carter leaving, with Goran Dragic leaving, um, this team doesn't really have a you know established uh, backup point guard. So that might be something we see them you know kind of poke around and that could be a spot where hey we've got an extra wing that's not really going to find minutes here you know we'll, let, let's move on from that guy and we'll bring in a point guard that way so we'll we'll see what that looks like um, with them drew holiday also he'll become extension eligible um then we'll see if they try to get him locked up to to a new deal or not or do they let that kind of carry out much like it did with middleton all right moving on to the southwest which is going to be coming here soon in written form uh, so we're going to start with Dallas Mavericks here. What was their biggest move of the offseason? Yeah, it can't be anything but re-signing Kyrie Irving, right? That, that was you know, obviously where they wanted to go with, with that. So getting Kyrie on a uh, on a non-max contract was big. Three years, $120 million. He does have the player option on the end. We spent, you know, I don't know, endless amounts of time debating uh, what would happen with Kyrie Irving. What would he sign for? What would he get? You know, would he get the max? Do you go shorter term? And, and they basically split the difference. It's a near-max uh, deal. But it's not a max deal, and they they split the difference as far as hey, we want short shorter term on this with it only being a three year deal, or you know potentially only two if he opts out in twenty twenty five. So, so here here we are we're with Kyrie, you know, in this contract, and we'll we'll see you know what it looks like for the Mavs moving forward uh, with him. What uh, what work do they have left to do on this team? 
Uh, I'm going to go back. Sorry, I had to clear my throat for That's a second fine. there. Um, but getting Grant Williams to come in, too, you know, really solid work by, by the Mavs. There's a good chance he may start uh, for this team. Just kind of think of him as the Dorian Finney-Smith replacement um, after they traded Finney-Smith last year to get Kyrie Irving. Uh, they never really replaced that spot. So I think Grant Williams was good. Then I think getting Seth Curry for essentially what's a one-year, $4 million deal because uh, the next second season is completely non-guaranteed is absolutely huge. You know, he just gives them one more shooter on the roster. Work left to do. They've got a roster spot to fill. Um, the front court remains in flux a little bit. You, you We'll see what happens with the center position. They've they brought Dwight Powell back, who you know we know they like quite a bit. They've got Maxi Kleba still on the roster. Rashawn Holmes was added. Hopefully they can get him uh, back going again and, and playing and being productive. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., they've openly shopped him, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trade to come with him at some point. Uh, the, this you know season as we go, but you know we're we're now in year two of Luca's uh, max uh, extension, so we're we're already kind of you know chugging along um, down that path. It's hard to believe this is going to be year six for Luca already somehow, um, but but it is, and you know so we're 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 going to see you know where the Mavs go uh, moving forward with this group, but you know probably. You know, JaVale McGee trade and Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. Let's see what that looks like. They are hard capped, though, um, at the, the tax apron. They've got about $9 million. That should be enough wiggle room uh, to do whatever it is they need to do. So, you know, they're, they're in pretty good shape there in uh, Dallas. Mark Cuban is one to sort of uh, fly by the seat of his pants in some cases. If, if this roster doesn't work for the first half of the season, could we see this as a – you know, we're moving off pieces and, and trying to reset, acquire more picks or, or am I overthinking it with this roster? No, you're, you're, you're on it. You're, you're right on it. It's uh definitely, you know, they, they could go in a different direction if, if it's a, uh, if it's not working, even the Kyrie contract, if they look at it and say, all right, you know, Hey, it didn't work out. They could call the Lakers and say, Hey, you got Hachimura and you got D'Angelo Russell. That's basically where we need to be salary matching. Like, let's make a deal and, you know, get it done and, you know, move on in that direction. And, you know, then it'd kind of be your, your hitting reset slightly, right? Because it'd be Luca and then, you know, in a year or two, a whole bunch of cap space and, and let's work it through that way. But yeah, I think their hope is, you know, Kyrie will really fit. Uh, better than he did last year and him and Luca will form a partnership and you know getting guys like Grant Williams in there and Rashawn Holmes and Seth Curry that's going to give them you know solid veterans around those two and that they can just kind of keep things moving and be a better team than they were a year ago I think you know we kind of collectively have forgotten this team was pretty good a couple seasons ago uh, and then last year just kind of went sideways on them so you could very easily see them getting back to being a good team but to your point yeah if things are not going well yeah we could definitely see some more movement Houston Rockets biggest move of the offseason yeah the veterans adding Fred Van Vliet and adding Dylan Brooks so those were uh you know uh, guys that they had targeted uh we had heard about it for kind of months that those guys might be guys that they might look at and then they went out and got them and uh, the the uh, Van Vliet contract very reasonable. It's a max deal, but it's only a three year max deal. So it's you know it's not you know crazy. And there's a team option on the end, so they've got really full control. Dylan Brooks was that one an overpay? Yeah, probably. You know the the you know and it's you know you and I I know had several uh, laughs about this one because it seemed like every time <clears throat> there was a report on Dylan Brooks. Every time we heard something, it was, you know, Dylan Brooks' contract grew by like, you know, $4 million or so <laughs> in what the value was. But $86 million guaranteed for Brooks? Fine. You know, it's, you know, if you're the Rockets and you really feel like he's the right guy, you had to overpay a little bit. It is, you know, it has a benefit. It's a declining contract. So 22.6 and then it ends at 19.9 um, four years from now. But, you know, it's, it's fine. Jock Landale came in. Uh, it's this is the one I think uh, you know wins the award for most misleading contract of the summer because it's eight years, thirty two million, but only eight million of it's guaranteed in year one. Everything else is non guaranteed. So 
we'll kind of see, you know, he's just another depth piece behind Alper and Shingun. So, so yeah, I mean, the Rockets, you know, they, they, they went with the vets. They added a couple guys in the draft with, with, uh, Amon Thompson and, uh, Cam Whitmore. Uh, Whitmore was a you know major steal. A lot of people feel like, cause he fell uh, so far in the draft cause of health concerns. But this Rockets team is, you know, they're, they're, they're turning turning in a new direction now where it's time to start being a little bit better. So having acquired the veterans and now having so many young kids, what is left for them to do for this? Yeah, not a whole lot. They, they've got one roster spot they can fill, but they brought a bunch of guys into training camp that I think they're going to let fight it out. It wouldn't be a surprise if one of those guys sticks. Um, through through the process and ends up making the regular season roster, uh, and then it's it's really on um, uh, first year head coach um, Ime Udoka with the Rockets to figure out all right what's my rotation going to be. Um, he's got a lot of kids and a lot of guys who have played a lot um, in their first you know couple years in the NBA, but now I think it's a little more looking like all right, well some of those guys are probably not going to play quite as much because now we have Fred VanVleet, we have. Dylan Brooks, and it's going to be on Ime Udoka to not lose guys like Kevin Porter Jr., who looks like, as it stands right now, probably going to go into a bench role um, you know, with the Rockets. And what, what does that look like? So so I think we're in a spot where you know, we'll, we'll see you know, all that kind of come together. Memphis Grizzlies, biggest offseason move for them. Yeah, acquiring Marcus Smart, you know, making the trade that they made uh, to trade Tyus Jones and bring in Marcus Smart as part of that three-team trade uh, with the Boston Celtics that sent Chris Stapps Porzingis to Boston. Uh, get, getting Smart, you know, great move for them. It's it's kind of a, a two two prong. Uh, approach for Memphis. He will initially be the John Morant replacement because Jaws suspended for the first, you know, about quarter of the season. Um, so, so we're we're going to be in a spot with with um, you know, Smart in there for John Morant. Um, and he he will take on you know that that point guard role. Then when Ja returns, Smart becomes the Dylan Brooks replacement. You're probably going to see him stay in the starting group. They'll play a little bit smaller with with a kind of three guard group with Morant, Smart, and uh, uh, Desmond Bain. But the plenty of creation those because Smart can defend really anybody one through four and even some of the smaller fives. You're fine with playing him as your kind of de facto uh, small forward. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams will be up front. Um, so this is a good team. It's a deep team. Then I think Smart, you know, like I said, you you kind of kill two birds with one stone there with him taking over for John Morant uh, early on in the season, then him uh, sliding over when Morant returns to be the Dylan Brooks replacement. Yeah, I really like the Marcus Smart move, especially with the John Morant suspension. And he just, he has that, that uh, personality about him that really fits in with that roster. So that that's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how, uh, how he fits in on the court. And once Morant comes back, how, how that situation is going to go. Uh, so, yeah, so what for, is, oh, go ahead. For, sorry, just to add to that, for the team that you know is is a uh, you know personified the whole grit and grind. Yep. Marcus Smart's the grittiest and grindiest player that was never a Grizzly, right? So one hundred percent. Now, 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 now he is, and that that's going to be be a lot of fun to watch. So, what is left for this team to do then? Yeah, it's oddly they've got to cut a couple guys. They're they're sitting plus two uh, right now in standard contracts. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where where it goes. Uh, they they probably my guess right now my projection would be Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd, two guys who were acquired um, throughout the the trade process uh, this off season would likely be the guys because they have preferred to hang on to their own guys that they draft and develop with good reason. They're one of the best draft and develop teams in the entire NBA. So we'll see what that <clears throat> looks like with those guys, but. But that, that's really it. I mean, the roster's full. They're, they're ready to go. New Orleans Pelicans, biggest move of the offseason for them. Sorry, I had to mute for a second. Um, The Pelicans' biggest move of the offseason, I think it's probably the Herb Jones um, uh, decision where Herb Jones opted out and then they re-signed him. They did that a year early. The, the Pelicans did not need to do that uh, right now. Um, but they, they did, they chose to, to get that done and, uh, uh, do, do that and keep him in the fold. So he, he got the same deal as Austin Reeves got with the Lakers, you know, four years, about $54 million, uh, for, for Herb Jones. But if we're going with a move, if we can add one that didn't happen, 
they didn't trade Zion. They, they, there were a lot of trade rumors that they were maybe looking at trading Zion Williamson and they hung on to him. And that's, you know, for me, that's, that's, you know, right up there with the biggest moves anybody made, um, or I guess didn't make uh, better put uh, this off season. So Zion, you know, still in the fold uh, in new Orleans. And this is a team where, you know, hip healthy and I'll knock on wood now. Um, they're, good right they, they've got a lot of a lot of good players they should be you know really talented they should be a competitive team in the west they were you know very good team i uh, have points um you know in the last couple of years and then kind of fell off as uh injuries just got to be too much so so we'll see you know how this comes together but you know let's all hope for you know a good healthy season for zion because we've seen what he can be when he's on the floor oh 100 on that because when he was this team was in the top three of, of the yeah. West. So um, you can't forget that they were the team to watch when Zion was on the court because they were winning, they were gelling, then it all fell apart. So I think them not moving Zion is a sign that, all right, let's give this one more run. Let's see if he can stay healthy. Let's see if we can get him even more back on track and see what we can do with this roster. And then if it doesn't work, we're going to be talking about the Zion trade at the trade deadline or next off season, but it's going to come <laughs> yeah. if it, if it falls apart again, because um, it's just, you know, it, it's going to be that revolving door of what do you do with Zion? And unfortunately that's going to be the narrative until it's not. Yeah. And, and sadly, I don't know that one healthy season is going to erase that either. I think that's still going to be a, all right, we got to keep, you know, you know, is it, is this going to be, you know, does one healthy season turn into three, four healthy seasons? And we see this sometimes with guys, sometimes guys have injuries early on and they bounce back and then they're fine the rest of their career. And that's what we're hoping for uh, with, with Zion and the Pelicans, because you know, that they're, they're a really good team. As far as what they still have to do this off season goes, not a whole lot. They're the roster's pretty full. Um, they're pretty deep at, at each spot. They they've got a lot of uh, good stuff. I think uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Let's figure out what's going on with that situation. That's probably the biggest one. Uh, he is extension eligible. He did say um, in uh, media in Lithuania that he would like an extension uh, with the Pelicans. I think he would like to stay there. But there's been talk that he could be a trade piece. He could be somebody to move on from. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Brandon Ingram is going to be coming up on uh, time for a new deal for him too. So we'll we'll see how that all comes together. But we're we're in a position with this team where there's some stuff to watch. They've got an awful lot of money committed uh, over the next couple of seasons, and as it stands right now, New Orleans is about two point nine million over the luxury tax. That's like a Kira Lewis uh, trade away from uh, you know move, moving out and then being in a uh, dot in the tax and then fill out with a couple minimums and we go. But for right now, that's something to keep an eye on too. San Antonio Spurs biggest move of the off season. Yeah, I mean literally and figuratively, Victor Wembanyama. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, you know <laughs> it's uh it's you know when you add the number one pick in the draft and you know he's uh. So let, let's just say somewhere between seven foot four and seven foot five, there seems to be a lot of uh, you know, back and forth on that. There's some thought that because he's is only 19 years old that he's still growing. Um, so we'll see, you know, if that you know become comes to pass or not. But yeah, I mean, the Spurs have their star guy, right? They 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 pretty openly tanked a year ago, and you know when they've done that, they've added David Robinson. Uh, Tim Duncan and now Victor Wembanyama, so it's worked out pretty well for them. But you know, and I think that's maybe the basketball god saying, "Hey, if you only do it once every twenty years or so, we're we're okay with that." So, uh, but yeah, now now you know, now we move forward with him as the centerpiece of a team that they've got a lot of really fun young players around him too. A lot of guys who are who are going to be developing and all that. And it's not a surprise that you know because probably the second biggest thing was Greg Popovich signing a long term extension. I think a five year extension it was to coach the team and what's interesting with with that piece of it is there's been a lot of talk is you know does pop finish out this deal does he coach the whole way through you know what is that going to look like and what we'll see so i think for right now though you know having uh you know this young roster i think he's energized he's ready to work with these kids and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah so with a stocked roster coach extended number one overall pick what what is left for this team to do in the immediacy yeah much like i mentioned with the grizzlies they've got to cut some guys they're plus three 
right now. Now they've got some veteran guys who don't really have a place on this team. They, they were added because it was, uh, you know, more of a uh, situation of, all right, we're going to eat a couple contracts as with our cap space to move guys along. So Ken Birch, they did that last year. Uh, then this offseason, Reggie Bullock, uh, Chetty Osman, and um, Cameron Payne all came in. Now, probably one or two of those guys may stick, but we'll see. But, I mean, this Spurs team is just loaded with young guys they like. You know, with, you know, I think just to kind of run through some of them that uh, in case people might have forgotten, but you've got Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, uh, Malachi Branham, Trey Jones, uh, who was resigned to to a new contract. Zach Collins, who played really, really well for this team down the stretch last year when nobody was really still watching the Spurs, um, except for Spurs fans. And he, he you know, looked really solid, um, you know, for, for them. So they've got, you know, Blake Wesley's a developing guy. So they've got a lot of guys that they really like on this roster that they're going to kind of uh, move forward with. So that means some of these veteran guys are probably going to get moved on from. But I think what San Antonio will do is, Let's keep them right up until the deadline to cut some of these guys and see, oh, hey, your point guard went down and you need a point guard. What do you think about campaign? Oh, you need a wing? You know, how about Jetty Osmond or Reggie Bullock? Oh, you need a you need another big? Hey, we've got Ken Birch that we can offer in a trade. They're, they're probably going to be pretty active with looking at those guys. And then if it comes down to it at the deadline, they'll just wave a few of the vets and move on and kind of go from there. All right. Fascinating stuff with these two. Um, obviously, in the Central, you're going to probably pick Milwaukee to come out of the Central as a division pick. Out of the Southwest, what team do you think is going to come out of the Southwest as far as, you know, I, I, like I said last week, I know you're not a betting man, but you can bet divisions to win. So which team would you pick if you were a betting man? Yeah, it's so if they can make it through the bumpiness without John Morant, I'd pick Memphis. I think they're the best team top to bottom. Uh, they're the team I also have the most uh, faith in, uh, definitely being very good. Uh, I think New Orleans is close, but obviously we we they've, they've got to be healthy. You know, that that's going to be the biggest thing with them. And then Dallas lets you see how it all comes together. If it all comes together well, they're probably going to be really good. And they'll be right there in the mix with those two teams. And then the fun thing is, I don't think Houston and San Antonio are just going to be the uh, – show up, roll out the ball, and you win the game uh, thing anymore. I don't expect either of those teams to be good or contending for a playoff spot uh, this coming season, but I do think both of those teams have a chance to make a little bit of noise at least and be be something, you know, of a, uh, you know, uh, you know, good, solid teams that, that you have to work to beat them uh, this upcoming season, which is great, you know, for, for this division because last year was kind of Memphis and nobody else. So we'll, we'll see, but you know, I think New Orleans has a chance to be really good. Dallas has a chance to be really good, but I feel really confident that Memphis will be really good. Yeah. Those bottom teams you speak of now that there's the in season tournament, there's just a little bit more incentive for those bottom teams that, you know, they're still growing, but they may come out swinging because there's a chance that we could, you know, get into the in-season tournament playoffs or whatever it might be. So um, it, it adds a new caveat for those teams to have to push a little bit more at the beginning of the season than they initially would otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point. That's not something I considered quite quite often here. So yeah, I think that's a great point. I think we're we're in a spot where yeah, they they may have something to play for. And we'll see. Yo, know, yeah, does a team like Memphis who's got bigger goals in mind uh deprioritize that a little bit? And could that be a spot where a team like Houston or San Antonio could kind of step in and and move in past them or one of the teams in one of the other divisions even. So uh, that's a great point. All right, so what's next, Keith? Yeah, so what's next is where we've got a few things coming. So we're going to uh, – we, we held off as long as we could, Scott, and Damian Lillard <laughs> still hasn't been traded. No, he hasn't. So, so we're, we're sitting here, you know, so we'll, we'll get the uh, the Southeast Division with the uh, home of the Miami Heat. Uh, we'll come up after the Southwest Division, and then probably we'll wrap out, up with the Northwest Division. We'll see if uh, if Damian Lillard may, – may, maybe we'll will a trade into existence after, you know, probably, what, an hour after those posts. <laughs> um, you know, one of those trades will, will come up. And then I'm going to have my – first look uh yeah we're already thinking about it 2024 projected cap space now that the big moves are are mostly done around the league i'm i'm going through and
you're looking at, all right, who could be the spenders next year? Because we know how it works in the NBA. Is about as soon as Christmas, we're going to start hearing, well, you know, their season's not going the way it looks, so they're prioritizing, you know, X, Y, and Z instead. And we're, we're going to take a look at that as we go. So that'll be uh, be fun to get that that posted and out there for the world to consume. That one will be really fun because of all these extensions that we've been having that sort yeah. of eat up some of that space on on certain teams, like we talked about Davis. Now, you know that being extended out that really affects not necessarily in twenty four twenty five, but those future ones. And now, yeah. you know, you got Jalen Brown's extension in there, so that's going to be fun to see where uh, the spending power is for certain teams. Tax super tax teams or not super tax teams. So yeah. that'll be a good one to look at. And- and, you know, part of that work, right, doing that is you start going through the free agent list. And as of right now, I've only got nine or ten guys that went down by one taking Anthony Davis as a potential free agent off the list that are like all-star level guys. And it used to be most off-seasons we would hit the off-season with, you know, a minimum of at least ten you know, all-star level guys. Now a lot of them would resign, um, you know, with this. And out of that, you know, nine or ten group, Half of them have player options, so they may not not even be there. We may see some of it, some of them extend uh, their contracts, but it's it is you know a couple of rookie scale level guys that are probably going to extend their deals and and move on. So we're we're really in a in a spot where yeah, a lot of lot more is getting done via trades and things like that than it is uh, anything else. But but it's still always fun to you know take that look ahead a couple years out and or a couple months out, I should say, and just say all right, where could we be? You know, who's lining up? to be a spender uh this next coming year well doing it now because this is important because in a month month and a half we're gonna get probably a handful of extensions that come through as far as um you know the rookie scale extensions that are not the designated or veteran extensions because they have to extend before the regular season starts so looking at it now and then looking at it post that, that'll be super interesting to see what teams may shift up or down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, and that's why we like to do it. You know, once the off season kind of settles, we take our initial look, we'll take a look, you know, as we get into the year, generally then a big reset after the trade deadline and then one more reset, you know, as we head and get closer to the draft, we kind of, you know, put, put our temples in there and kind of work, work around those. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, the, the season will be here before we know it, you know, and it's, it's just, you know, we're, we've still got stuff going on, which is a, a different and kind of weird place to be compared to where the NBA generally is at this time of year. So, so it's going to be fun to continue to monitor everything all the way through. He's at Keith Smith NBA. If you want to give him a follow, ask questions, learn something new every day. Uh, thanks a lot for everything you've done so far, Keith, looking forward to these next recaps that are going to be coming here soon. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.